Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cedar and Cypress podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Allison. And we are going to be talking about nominal Christianity today, which I'm not going to lie, I didn't really know what that was until like a couple of weeks ago. Like now that I've I've realized the definition of it, it makes a lot of sense. But like right. for some reason, when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, that I was like, wait, what, what it actually is that? But anyway, so we're going to be talking about that today. Um, our subheading is the plague of insincerity. So that kind of gives a little bit of a clue into what it means, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, before we do, Allison, what was the best part of your week? I had one of those weeks that was just kind of mundane, you know, just work, just hanging out with family and stuff like that. But on Monday, we got to, my husband and I got to watch our niece for a few hours, which her childcare is pretty much covered, so we don't always get the opportunity to watch her very much. But in the rare instances that there's a gap or someone's out of town or grandparents aren't available, Zach and I get to watch her. So that's really fun. Uh, she is almost three years old. She Aww. loves our place. She loves coming over here because we have a bin of toys that she doesn't normally get to play with at home. They stay here so that there's an incentive, you know, for her to come over here. She walked in and she just goes, toys? toys like she knew exactly what she wanted i said okay i'm gonna get your toys i know what you want you're a woman who knows what you want so it was a fun that's time. so cute yeah oh that's adorable i love that she just walks in she already knows yep. she's like this is the place with the new toys yeah. isn't it i was like you don't want to read a book with me. you don't want to read a book with me you don't want to spend time you want your toys like that's fine Aww, here you go that's so cute <laughs> Wait, is she an only child at the moment? She is, yeah. Okay, that makes sense then. I feel like when you're when you kind of grow up as an only child, like you kind of know how to play by yourself too. So you're not yes, like, you need very to true. play with me. Mm-hmm. Which is not a bad thing. I've actually heard that mm-hmm. that's a really good thing to like learn how to play by yourself yeah. when you're a kid. Yeah. But that's really fun. For sure. How about you? What was the best part of your week? Um, well, it was me and Charlie's anniversary this week, two days Yay. ago. Yay. Congrats. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, our anniversary is October 17th. So it's two days ago from when we're recording this anyway. Um, and yeah, it was really nice. It was a good day. Um, we obviously it was on a Monday, so we just kind of had to work all day, but then, um, after work, we got to go out for a really nice dinner and we got like a gift card for it and stuff. So we didn't have to pay for it. And we got to like, just kind of go get whatever we wanted, which was really nice. Um, and it was at like a really nice restaurant around here. And then just like came home, we made a fire and it was really fun. It was really nice and relaxing. And it's always nice to just like spend some quality time together. So yeah, that was really good. That was definitely the best part of my week. Sounds really fun. Yeah. Gift yeah. cards. I'm a firm believer. Gift cards are like one of the best things ever. I know some people oh, yeah. think gift cards are impersonal, but I think they're the best thing. You can just essentially treat someone to dinner or treat them to clothes, but they still get to pick it out. And then you're sure that they'll like it. Exactly. I feel like it's like treating someone to an experience. I don't feel like it's just like, here's some money, go, because I I don't, like, I wasn't thinking about you really. Like, that's not what it is (laughs) at all. I always like, and usually when I give someone a gift card, it's like for a certain purpose. Like, obviously Mm -hmm. they don't have to use it for that. It's their gift. You know, they can use it for whatever they want, but like, you know, I'll like give someone a gift card and be like, go on a date night, you know, like, like when we went out of town, for instance, like we had some friends watching our dog and like, I, when we came back, like, you know, I just gave him a gift card to say thanks and like wrote on it, like go on a date on us, you know? So it's like, exactly. 
I just feel like it's it's nice to like give someone an experience for the night, you know? Exactly. That sounds really yeah. fun. So as Liv mentioned at the top of this episode, today we're going to be talking about nominal Christianity. And I do think it's one thing, it's something that does really need a name because I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you know a nominal Christian, or maybe you've been one, or maybe you are one right now, but you just don't realize it. And nominal Christianity is essentially the idea that you are a Christian in name and in label only. That's what nominal means. And but that you're not Christian in your heart and you're not a follower of Christ in your life. It is essentially just a baseless and empty and meaningless title because Christianity is so much more than just calling yourself a Christian. There's an entirely new lifestyle. There's a new eternal destiny of your soul that is paired with becoming a Christ follower. And nominal Christianity comes in a lot of different forms. And I think it can sometimes be a little bit hard to recognize what it is. But I have kind of picked out some essential features that you can look out for for nominal Christianity. Uh, One of the first ones is decontextualizing the Bible. So kind of taking things out of context or viewing God's word one dimensionally in order to make it kind of fit your point or your narrative or your agenda. So essentially using the Bible for whatever you would like it to mean. Um, That's one way that you'll kind of recognize it. Another way that I think nominal Christianity is very, very pervasive is in uh, refusing to recognize the exclusivity of Christ. So there's a word called universalism, and that's the idea that all roads lead back to eternal life and eternal salvation, or that all religions of you know, have all these same similar threads. And so you can still be a good person. You can get to heaven by following any of the religions as long as, you know, you're a good person, you lead a good life. And that's kind of similar to, that's essentially refusing to recognize that Christ is exclusive and he's the way, the truth, the life that nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. Uh, So people believe there's other ways to reach God or to earn their salvation. Uh, Actually, the way that I kind of got more interested in researching nominal Christianity is because I was talking with a friend who grew up going to a Protestant church, but then over time he kind of started adopting other religions and other ideas. And he essentially was telling me, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't think Christ is the only way. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, that's not Christian. So that's something definitely to look out for with nominal Christianity. And that just kind of feeds straight into what is one of the what, what is a third feature of nominal Christianity, which is it confuses the point of life and the reason that we're here on earth. Christians know we're here to praise God and to honor him with our lives, but this is not our final resting place. It's not our eternal destiny. And that, you know, we're going to enjoy glory with him in heaven when he reigns in perfect peace. But if you're a nominal Christian, typically your circumstances are really all there is. So sometimes you'll think that if you follow certain paths, then you can earn this enlightenment or self-actualization. Um, and that's actually quite similar to Gnosticism, which is what we discussed last week. Um, and then one of the last the last feature I wanted to mention of nominal Christianity is this presence of legalism and judgment that can be on the other side of things. So If you are someone who just follows the rules and the religion of Christianity, but you don't have any kind of relationship with God and you really don't share any intimacy with him and you don't feel like you know him at all, um, you have no radical inner transformation in your life and there's just 
it's just religion and rules and rights, then that could be a really strong sign that there's normal Christianity seeping into your life. So that would be another feature to to look out for. Is there anything that you wanted to add to kind of that definition, that 3D definition that we have now of nominal Christianity? Yeah, um, I feel like everyone listening probably just like examined their life like <laughs> do I? But um, I know I did. But I do want to say though that just because one of these things might apply to you doesn't mean that you're a nominal yes. Christian, yeah. by the way. Um, sometimes there are things that like, we just don't understand about Bible. And so we accidentally take them out of context or right. like, sometimes we are just trying to be open-minded. So we like want to like, see how universalism could fit into Christianity, but then eventually we come out the other side and realize like, that's just not, that's just not Christianity. Like, that's not what the Bible says, um, is truth. And we have to go off of that as true believers, you know, all of those things like confusing the point of life, all of that legalism and judgment, I feel like. All of those things can be things that we struggle with, you know, as real, true Christians and people who genuinely love the Lord and want to follow him and want Christ to be at the center of our lives. Um, But these are just like signs that maybe like someone else might be struggling with nominal Mm -hmm. Christianity, or maybe even you are like within your own mind and heart, um, but it's not something that you've like completely adopted or let take over you um, 100%. Um, And like the other two things that I kind of wanted to add to the definition are um, maybe like an apathy towards God. And in this context specifically, I wouldn't even necessarily say that this is like not caring about who God is or like what he wants for your life, like as a whole, I feel like it would probably be more of like a subconscious Mm -hmm. way and like you can tell me if you disagree, but like, I, I just feel like people who are nominal Christians and state that they are Christians might say that they don't care or like might act like they don't care what God thinks because they're not living like a Christian. But like, I feel like most of them, if you ask them, like, well, do you believe in God? Like, do you think, you know, they would probably say yes. Cause they would also say that they're a Christian. So I don't know. That's kind of like my view on that. Um, and then also just kind of picking and choosing the way that you view God, like, you know, overemphasizing one of his characteristics over another, like he's just love or just wrath or like those things. I feel like when you take God and just put him in a box like that, you might also like limit how you, how you view him and how you understand him, how you understand his word and all those things. So. Yeah. I wanted to respond to two things you mentioned. So the first one, yeah, I did also want to emphasize that just because that you experience one of these doesn't necessarily mean you're not a Christian or you're not saved. It's just not what we want to communicate, but we do want to communicate. If you're noticing a really consistent pattern of these types of messages or, or you know, these beliefs either in someone else or in yourself, I think it might be really important to examine and hold that against the word of God. Cause we cannot tell you whether you are a Christian or not, you know, that Mm -hmm. is between you and God, but these are really, really good indicators and indicators and signs that that might need to be re-examined. And I did want to also mention what you said about apathy towards God. I would 100% agree with you that a nominal Christian is not going to say I'm apathetic towards God, but a nominal Christian is going to call themselves Christian and their actions and their life and the way they conduct themselves will scream I don't care about God. I yeah, don't exactly. care about his plan for my life. I'm going to live the way I want to live, whether he is there or not. I'm not interested. 
but they're not going a nominal Christian is not going to come out and say that to you. But the way their life looks, because the Bible tells us you will know a Christian and a Christ follower by their fruits and the way that they conduct themselves, they'll be distinguishable from other from people that are of the world or following evil ways. So you mm-hmm. will be able to kind of notice that somebody's saying they're Christian and the way they're living is just not act, like, aligning with what you know the Bible says about life and says about God and how we should be conducting ourselves, that's a good indicator as well. And again, not a blanket statement. Again, mm-hmm. we can't tell each other whether the other person is saved or not, but these are some kind of indicators, some features to look out for. Yeah, for sure. Just some things to be warned about and cautious about, I would say. Moving on from the definition, we kind of have talked about what nominal Christianity is and what some of the signs of it are. Um, Just kind of wanted to talk about this in culture specifically, Um, because it's definitely seen throughout Western culture. um, More specifically, I would say, like, you probably don't see this quite as much if at all, honestly, in Eastern culture or other places, because I feel like they're a little bit more direct about what they believe. And so, and they act upon what they believe. So it's like, if they are, you know, Buddhist, they're going to act Buddhist. If they're Hindu, they're going to act Hindu. You know, if they're a Christian in an African church, like they're going to act like a Christian, you know? So it's like, uh, I feel like, and of course I can't like generalize for every person, you know, in other cultures, but I'm just saying like, I think this is a little bit more of a Western concept specifically, because we see this a lot in our culture with people saying that they're one thing and acting in a totally different way. Um, there's kind of a lot of hypocrisy that happens if I'm being totally honest and we can all be hypocritical at times, but this yeah. is definitely um, a result of hypocrisy. I would say is, is being a nominal Christian. Um We actually looked into this a little bit and found that according to a survey on Christianity and its decline, 43% of Americans identify as Protestant Christians. However, this percentage does not measure measure those who truly believe Jesus to be Lord and seek to follow him in every area of their lives. This just measures people that would say that they're Christian um, in whatever context. Yeah. And one thing that we also see Um, especially in the West, is we have something that we refer to as the Bible Belt in America, which is like, basically, I don't know exactly what states are included in this belt, if you will, but it's basically like Southern states along the East Coast. Like a lot of those um, are considered part of the Bible Belt, um, quote unquote. So it's like, um, these are states where Christianity tends to be more prevalent. And a lot of people would say that they are Christians. Maybe people will even go to church every week just because that's what they've already always done. That's what their family has done for generations. Um, However, there is sometimes like a lack of that true belief in those people's lives or action outside of church. They might have like a double kind of standard, if you will, like inside the church versus outside how they act Um, how they uphold themselves and what really seems to be their God based on their actions. Um, And again, not saying this for everybody. I'm sure there are a lot of true, genuine Christians that live within the Bible Belt, but we're just saying that like as a blanket statement, honestly, a good chunk of that 43% of Americans that identify as believers are probably in that, in that belt um, over in the East. Yeah. And something to add on to what you mentioned from this Pew Research survey that that you were discussing is that that 43% is down from four of uh, 51% from yeah. a 10 year stretch from 2009 to 
2019. So this survey is a couple of years old now, but it's just interesting to think that we're we're losing people that identify as Christians and would call themselves Christians. And that doesn't even encompass the people whose lives align with the word of God. These are literally just people that say, I am a Christian. And that could be anyone who's who would ascribe to the idea that God exists and there is some kind mm-hmm. of moral good to people who are really in step with the Holy Spirit and being transformed every single day. And that's something to really keep in mind. I, I wanted to add as well that with when we talk about the Bible Belt, we're what we're really talking about is when your faith or your religion is deeply rooted in a tradition or in family, and it is mm-hmm. not personal to you, because that's something that's unique about Christianity, and that's unique about, I mean, it's why Christ is exclusive, because we each have a relationship with God, and right. he knows us intimately. And so a lot of times you'll find, like my friend that I mentioned, he grew up going to a Christian church or what I guess he would categorize as a Christian church. But when your faith and your religion are deeply rooted in a tradition rather than a personal relationship with Jesus, that's when you find a lot of nominal Christianity because people have been raised with these with these biblical ideas, with these biblical principles, we know that uh, the law of God is written on our hearts. So we all have that idea of moral good and we we know that there is objective like there's object bad in the world and you know we have visceral reaction to evil or to people being abused so people grow up with these christian ideas but they don't necessarily attribute that to the bible they don't attribute that to god for example the idea that murder is wrong we all know that but some people wouldn't attribute that to the fact that there's a good moral and just god who says that murder is wrong so a lot of times if you are if you did grow up going to church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's where you can actually find a really big chunk of nominal Christians because they'll find, I did grow up with these principles. I do think they're good, but I have no idea where they came from and I have no idea why I really believe in them. That's really what is dangerous about nominal Christianity. Yeah, agreed. And that kind of leads us into the next point too. Like, it might surprise you some of the groups that could be identified as nominal Christians, because there are a lot of people out there that identify as Protestant Christians um, or even Catholic Christians, but are not necessarily, um, you know, don't necessarily believe in grace through faith alone or that Jesus is the son of God or, you know, what have you, um, lots of different things. So like some of those groups might include just people who grew up Christian. Like we were just talking about like people that it's more about tradition than anything to them. Um, like that's just what they've always known. That's what their parents taught them. Um, and so they don't live any other way. However, they're not necessarily, they don't have that personal relationship with Christ. Um, there's also some members of the Catholic church that would identify as Christians, like they would call themselves Christians, um, when they just purely practice Catholicism, that's a totally different, uh, conversation (laughs) for another day, maybe, but another group would be actually Jehovah's witnesses. They will also tell you they're Christians. If you ask them like, or, you know, like what they are, they'll literally tell you that they're Christian and you can sit there and talk to them. And after probably about 30 seconds, you'll realize "Mm, you don't really believe what the Bible says though. So, um, you know, there are also some people that could be in this category just because they they identify themselves as Christians. So another group would be theists, which is basically just people who believe in God, but they don't like actively practice Christianity. Like if you ask them, you know, what religion they fall into, they would probably tell you that they're a Christian just because they believe in God. So that's, 
you know, definitely another big group there. That's probably a good chunk of, honestly, the people that identify as Christians are theists. Um, and then even some people within the church who have never truly been saved, um, which, you know, this could be part of that group that just kind of follows tradition um, or just theists that go to church because they believe in a higher power. And so they feel like they need to. But I will say, like, above all, we do want to just give a disclaimer. Like, it's not our call to say who's saved and who's not within the church. Like, I do believe that there are people that are just blatantly like against Christianity that you can pretty confidently say like that person's not saved, but they're telling you that themselves. It's not like they're like, you know, saying that they're a Christian, then you're like, no, you're not like, (laughs) but um, I do think we need to be very, very careful with who we like make this call about, like just saying someone is saved or saying they're not. We sh- That's not something that we should be just throwing around. That's definitely not our call to make, basically. This is something that we should be very careful of, very cautious of, not to make accusations or judgment calls when this is not really up to us. Like this is up to God. God is the one who saves solely. He's the one who changes hearts. He's the one who regenerates people into salvation. Um, and so this is something that we do need to be careful of. Like, again, I think there's a time and a place for when we see people that are directly going against God that like we could say, you know, you're not saved. But again, like a time and a place, very careful using discernment. You don't ever want to say that to someone who genuinely seems like they're seeking the Lord and you're just like saying they're not doing a good enough job or something like that. Like, cause that's just so harmful. And honestly, it's not our call to make in the first place. So yeah, just a warning to be careful with that, even though like you know, sometimes you might have those thoughts, like definitely take those and make them obedient to Christ and just understand that that's God's call, not yours. Because people passing judgment on each other like that has resulted in a lot of church hurt and is actually the reason why a lot of people leave the church and stop attending because after they move out of the house or once they're independent, whichever one comes first. But a lot of people that grew up attending a church and just being a church going person and a church going family once they hit their late teens, early 20s, and now they're out on their own, that's why a lot of people stop going because there is a lot of judgment. There is a lot of – that's really the time I think that that you decide, okay, I'm going to do this God-following thing for real or I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, th- that's the age where I feel like you really do decide whether you want to, to follow God or not. And I do want to add, too, that we're not just, like, spouting – ideas that sound good because God is literally the one who told us that he's the one that looks at the heart. Um, In the context of choosing uh, a new king for Israel, when uh, God said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not look on his outward appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now, this Mm -hmm. was in a different context, but the principle still stands that God is the one who really knows the posture of our hearts, knows our in like everything about our hearts and our most inward desires and our fears and everything like that. And so he's the one, he's the one who you really have to answer to, not other people in the church. And just, I just wanted to hone that in more because it, it is really important to keep that in mind when we're talking about nominal Christianity that, you know, we're not here to condemn other people, but we hear, we're here to warn and try to warn mm-hmm. as nicely as possible, but as truthfully as possible. But on the flip side, we also do not want to worry anyone that like, oh, am I a nominal Christian or I'm not following God well enough or I'm not a good enough Christian, I'm not doing the things that I need to do, etc. Because we all backside, we all have times where we're far from God or distant. We all have periods in our life that we struggle. And that's 
totally normal in this fallen and broken world. But God also does give us reassurance and reminders that he loves us and we're saved and we're redeemed. Uh, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. It honestly cannot get clearer than that. It just, it really can't get clearer than that. And so that's that's our reassurance and our encouragement for if we're kind of nervous, like, oh, I I feel like I'm a Christian, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, so that's just an encouragement for you. Um, yeah. But I did want to mention that it is really important to keep in mind the dangers of nominal Christianity, how it just kind of seeps underneath. Because like we mentioned, it kind of it happens over this long period of time of becoming more apathetic towards God. It happens really slowly through these small compromises that you'll make in your doctrine or your theology until suddenly you're in a place where you don't believe in the exclusivity of Christ or or God being the ultimate ruler. Um, this builds up in our hearts a rejection of who God is and also who he created us to be. It happens when we prioritize religion over relationship or we abandon both altogether because we don't want anything to do with it. And nominal Christianity is so serious and it's so important to talk about because it has to do with the position of your heart and your status and your position with God. Uh, as Christians, we know that our spiritual status with God is condemned, or that we are originally condemned and we were dead in our sins, but now we know that in Christ we're redeemed and we're alive. Um, so if we live by any type of form of apathetic or nominal Christianity that's either super legalistic or super liberal and anything goes, then that's not true Christianity and then we're not saved. So when you're noticing those patterns of nominal Christianity, we have to be really careful because Romans tells us exactly uh, what our salvation is. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Um, I will say, I know that we're both very firm believers that like God will save who he will save. So it's like, there is definitely not that that fear, I guess, that we need to have as believers. Like if you genuinely have a hunger and a thirst for God, it's because he gave that to you. And so it's like, in that way, you don't necessarily have to worry. Like this is not like a do better message. I just want to say that this is more of like a, be careful, just like, yeah, like a be careful and awarding to maybe those who are walking in this without realizing it. Like, um, that's kind of more what we want to say, I think, and what we want to communicate about this topic, because it's like something that I don't think that we ever need to worry about as people who genuinely love the Lord and want to see him glorified is like, am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? Like I've seen so many people struggle with that. And there are people that I know genuinely love Jesus and like, you know, and they live according to his word and they walk according to, um, you know, the ways that he tells them to walk. But then also on top of that, like, it's not just about how, what they do, you know, it's like, I can see God sanctifying them and stuff. And then they're still like, am I saved? Am I saved though? And it's like, what, like, what do you mean? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, if you weren't, you wouldn't care if you were, you know what I mean? So it's true. like, yeah. If you weren't, if you're just walking in a way of life, like you genuinely wouldn't care if you're saved or not, because you would have no desire for God, you know? So it's like, you know, we definitely don't need to worry anyone in that way. Like, it's just a, just a warning to like, maybe not fall into these habits, like as believers, um, or just to, if you see this in other people, you know, like to lovingly call them to wake up, you know, and like, see where they're truly at. Um, like for instance, I had a, kind of an example of like a time where it was actually kind of a good 
thing and a God thing to tell someone that they were not a Christian who could probably fall in this category because it was someone who identified as a Christian, um, which I'm not contradicting myself because this is not like someone who falls into any of the categories that we just mentioned where you should not say this to someone. (laughs) This was someone who was actively practicing witchcraft and also teaching other people how to do that and providing the means for them to do that as well um, through like Ouija boards and tarot cards and things like that. And my husband straight up told her because she said she was a Christian and he straight up told her, no, you're not. (laughs) Um, And in that circumstance, I feel like that was a good thing. And that was something that like God called him to do, even though it was scary, because she was actively practicing witchcraft, which is something that does not glorify God and is actively against him. Um, and so like in situations like that, it's like, you might have to step out in boldness and maybe say something. Um, but again, it's like, we don't have to worry about like, if we're saved or if we're not saved as people, if we genuinely have a desire for the Lord, um, want to see him glorified and like, want to walk, you know, according to his word and everything. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that as like a little bit of an encouragement. If anyone's listening, being like, oh my gosh, is this me? Or, you know, trying to diagnose somebody else with maybe that's not <laughs> what you should be doing. So just wanted to add a little disclaimer, but yeah, I was one of those people when I was younger, when I was a kid. So I grew up in the faith, in the Christian faith. And when I was younger, I would say maybe elementary, when my obviously my understanding of theology and God was nowhere near what it is right now, just due to yeah. me being a kid. I used to pray every single night to be saved. Now, you only need to pray that prayer one time and Jesus will enter your heart. But I was so young and I just didn't understand. I was always so afraid, like, I'm not saved. I've sinned today. I'm not going to go to heaven. I'm not going to be with God forever. And don't feel bad for me because, you know, I was like 10 years old and I obviously do not think that anymore. But I would pray every single night, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Uh, I want you to rule my life. That kind you know, the sinner's prayer. And so I'm saying this as somebody who is 100% there. I understand that feeling. I understand that fear and just not really being sure of where you stand. But there's a there's so much in the Bible that that clarifies that for us and that clarifies what it looks like to walk with the Lord. And also, if you're maybe a new Christian or you kind of found yourself slipping into nominal Christianity, I mean, if you pray for the desire for God, he will give it to you. That is a prayer he will answer 100 percent. Mm-hmm. I've had times in my life where I just didn't have a desire to be near to God and I was very distant and I asked God, put a fire back in my heart for you and to know you and to walk in your ways. And he answers that prayer loud and clear. Um, yeah. You'll see it when it comes. Uh, so that's also an encouragement as well. Um, but while we're still trying to balance encouragement and grace with also what is true and sometimes the truth can be a little bit scary. And the Bible warns us a lot. Actually, Jesus warned us a lot about nominal Christianity. I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't call it nominal Christianity. He never used that term, but what he, what he referred to as a posture towards God in your heart that is not saved, that is not fearing and loving God. So Jesus was quite serious about this. You know, he made it very clear that he was not a fan of people who said they're Christians or Christ followers or loving the Lord, but didn't actually act like that. And they had something else and different going on entirely in their hearts. So um, in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, 
Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Yeah, that, that passage verse, used to scare me so much. I was about to say that. That verse used to scare the bejeebies out of me. I would like hear it and be like, oh my gosh, what if that happens to me? Then there's nothing I can do at that point. Um, when really that's not meant to scare people who are like genuinely have a relationship with the Lord and are genuinely saved. It's just like, again, if you are saved, you have a desire for the Lord, like, cause you can even see in this verse, it says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? This is all talking about things that they did, but it's not talking about like, they don't address anything like within their hearts where they like truly knew the Lord, like they knew Jesus, like he was their heaven, you know, like God was their heavenly father. Like they're talking about all the things they did. They're not talking about any of the things that they like, you know, they're not talking about their heart posture at all. Like, you know, like the actual state of their soul. And like, if they genuinely like had a desire for the Lord, had a desire for Christ and to see him magnified um, because of who he is, not just like what they're supposed to do. Um, so that's something to notice there. Yeah. Jesus was very clear. He hated anyone having the idea that they could earn their salvation or they could do enough good things for him or that he, he hated that idea. He was so clear about it. I mean, I never knew you depart from me, leave me, get away from me. I don't know you. I have no affiliation with you. God will have none of it. He will have none of this idea that if you just do enough good things that you're going to somehow earn your salvation or be good enough for God. And that's the beauty of Christianity. You never could. There is no way ever in a million years you'll be able to earn your salvation. And that's why Jesus wants you to accept the free gift of salvation that he could bestow upon you because he did it all on your behalf. Um, And he even says this again later, uh, later in the same book in Matthew 23, 27, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, just a sidebar, Pharise- I mean, Jesus was like the Pharisees' mortal enemy, but they, you know, they pretended like they followed God. Um, just moving on here, he says, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So again, Pretty he's blunt. saying, yeah, he's saying, if you're just pretending to live this beautiful life and like act like you're a God follower and you're going to claim my name, but you're not actually going to love and fear me and have a heart posture of worship towards me, you're, you're dead inside. You're, you're just, you're, he calls them whitewashed tombs. What's the point Mm -hmm. of scrubbing the outside and looking great on the outside? If there's nothing going on inside, He hated this. He hated this idea that people would only care about how they looked to others and how their lives appeared to others on the outside, but they just didn't have any intention of actually following Jesus in their hearts. And so if this is you, this isn't, I mean, maybe it is a little bit too gracefully and truthfully scare you. Like, this is the truth. This is Jesus talking. And I've had to have those moments where like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that's just trying to earn their salvation and look as good as I can to everyone else because my life is messy and there's problems and it's hard, but I want to follow Jesus. And Jesus talks also multiple times about the cost of following him. You really do have to count the cost and you have to decide if it's something that you want to do or not. So 
Jesus, Jesus is saying you can't just be a half Christian. You are either all in for him or you are completely out. You're either with him or you're his enemy. So we do have to really carefully consider like what side do we want to be on when it when we have to answer to him at the end of all this. Um, mm-hmm. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. And he said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God or counterclaimed by Satan. So again, it's just honing in this idea. You can't just be like a half Christian. You can't be a half God follower. You can't praise him on Sundays and live your life however you want the rest of the week. So Jesus saying like, you're all in or you're all out. I'm either going to accept you or I'm going to say, I never even knew you get away from me. Yeah, and I will say, like, just to recap, if you're not exactly sure what we were talking about, the Pharisees were basically like the religious leaders of that day. Yeah. Um, which is pretty ironic, <laughs> but yeah. I was about to say iconic. <laughs> I mean, it's like not iconic. Their interaction not in the a Bible good way. Are iconic. <laughs> they're iconic no ironic it's pretty ironic um just because they were the religious leaders of that day and they actually ended up being the people that jesus well he was pretty blunt to them he literally said like you're like a whitewashed tomb that you appear beautiful on the outside but within you're full of dead people's bones and uncleanness it's like these people upheld every law that they could out in public they cared about how they looked and they also cared about what other people did. They had no problem telling people that including Jesus. Um, They looked down on people that were less than them um, or that didn't practice the law to its fullest extent. And to that point, Jesus obviously came to fulfill the law and, you know, in him coming, it's like the law is no longer needed by the cross um, because he's covered every every sin, every backslide, every downfall that anyone has for those that he saves. And so in this way, it's like their heart posture was just prideful. It was looking down on people it, like they didn't want to help anyone else. They didn't want anyone else to come to them who was unclean. They didn't want um, to do any work on the days that they weren't supposed to do any work. And if anyone else did, they would rebuke them. It was just like their hearts were completely in the wrong place. Even though like their intentions might have been to follow the law, like they missed the point completely. And I think like, that's another thing that we see, like that's basically the type of person that Jesus is talking to when he says, Lord, Lord, or when he says like, I never knew you, you know, it's like those people that they miss the point, you know, it's like they're doing these things and they might think that they're acting in a certain way. That's like, acceptable to God and is doing enough to earn his favor. But honestly, they're missing the point completely. Like their hearts are not in the right place. Yeah. What what you're referring to there is what is typically also called like the letter of the law versus the spirit. If you've ever heard that phrase and Jesus talked about that as well uh, in, I believe it was also in Matthew, I'll make sure to provide the verse. I don't have it right off the top of my head. Um, but when he when he was asked what is the most important commandment, he says it's to love God and love your neighbor. What he's explaining is that, yes, you should be following my ways and my commandment. But if you're doing it without love and you're not doing it for if you don't actually care about God and the wellness of others and you're doing it to make yourself feel better about yourself or feel like a better person or, or look whatever, like you, one, you might as well not have done it at all. And um, Paul even says this, if I do all these good works without love, then it's just like a banging symbol or like the sound of a gong. It's just, it's this 
horrible, like flat, empty, meaningless thing. And that the same thing applies to Christianity. If you are just following the rights and the rules or holding other people to it without actually having any relationship with God, you honestly, Jesus says you might as well not have a relationship with me. Like you might as well just look like the world and be like the world. Like I'm going to give you over to your sinful desires. So we just have to be really careful because I, I personally, like, I would like to see myself as the person that gives away all his riches to follow Jesus. But we're, we're the Pharisees in this situation. We're the ones who are sinful. We're the ones who are prideful and arrogant and have a posture towards God, like I'm better and I'm smarter. So we have to be careful not like not to insert ourselves as like the hero of the story and to recognize, oh, I'm the Pharisee. I'm the broken one. I'm the one who's in need of Jesus's saving. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel is that you mm-hmm. don't have to measure up and be good enough and do all these things to please God and earn your worth. But the beauty of the gospel is that you get that new identity in Christ. You get that redemption in Christ because he fulfilled the law on your behalf. And now you're not chained to it anymore. Like Paul says over and over, I would say also, if any of this is like ringing true to you or you want to hear more, I would say read Romans because Romans is like everything we're saying, but even more beautifully, like way better than we could ever say it. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing book that will just lay out. If If your question is like, okay, well, you're telling me about nominal Christianity, then what is Christianity? I'd like to know. Just read Romans. It's all like, yeah, it's really systematized for you in that book. Yeah, for sure. It'll tell you who you are in Romans 1 and 2. It'll tell you about salvation in like 6, 8, and 9, even mm-hmm. like the method of salvation that like comes about, um, which is also a controversial topic in and of itself. Yeah. And then it tells you like how to live as a Christian in Romans 12. So yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely For read sure. it. If you have it, even if you are Christian, you already think, you know, everything um, that in and of itself should tell you that you should read it <laughs> also. You'll realize so. how much you don't know. Every time I go back to that book, I'm like, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Like, uh, Oh yeah. Or even yeah. if I read it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm reminded of this. So yeah, if you haven't, or like, even if you have read Romans, just everyone go read it, mm-hmm. including yeah. us. Exactly. Um, One last thing I wanted to mention before we kind of try to land this plane is that this idea of of saying that you're Christian or acting like you're Christian without ever having the heart relationship underneath it is also reiterated again. God takes the time to put that in Revelation in the final final book of the Bible because it's really, really important to him. I don't think that he would mention it so many times or that Jesus would say it so many times if this was not something he really, really wanted us to know. The Bible uses repetition very often in its literature to indicate to us something that we need to look closer. Um, in Revelations 2, 2 through 5, this is written to the church in Ephesus. Uh, God says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. So this is a church that was doing all the right things. Uh, He goes on to say, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So again, Jesus reiterating that same thing. If you're all works without heart or actual passion for God, then he, he wants you to turn away from that. He wants you to turn away from doing all these things, even in his name's sake, if you don't actually have that love and that relationship with him. 
God wants to see a spiritual fire ignited in us, not just an empty list of religious to-dos and to-don'ts or whatever it may be that, that you think the Christian faith is. He doesn't want us to live like that because it's it's a chain. It's it's essentially slavery to live in that kind of way. So just to emphasize it as if there weren't enough passages or Jesus hasn't said it enough, if that isn't honed, if that isn't honed in enough, um, we just want to emphasize that point that it's really important um, to make that distinction between what is a heart posture and intimate relationship with God versus just living according to these rules or these basic, you know, fundamental principles in your life. Do you have anything yeah. to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I think we know, to be honest, like when we're doing things for the wrong reason, mm-hmm. like I think most people know, like I'm doing this for myself or I'm doing this to look a certain way, um, or I'm doing this for God because I love him. Um, you know, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's hard, um, or this is something I genuinely enjoy. And I know it's because God has called me to it. Like, I think we know as Christians, like when we're doing something for the right reason and when we're not doing something for the right reason. So So just as a final thought here in conclusion, um, we don't say any of this to scare you into like trying to renew your zeal for Christianity or to guilt someone else into like attempting to change. Like we don't, we're not saying any of this for that, for that point. Um, Rather, we hope that this conversation will just encourage you to dive into God's word, um, to know him more and to seek to follow him in all things um, because of your love for him because of your genuine love for the gospel and his word. Um, and also just to recognize, um, or just to encourage other believers to do the same. Like if you see them kind of backsliding, like that's part of what being the church is, is holding each other accountable and, um, spurring each other on to do the right thing, to truly know God and to study him together and to grow in our relationships with him together. Um, of course do that, like in love, you know, in sincerity, in genuine love for that person and for their salvation as well. And for their, um, relationship with the Lord, not out of judgment or anger, none of that. Um, you know, like there is such a thing as righteous anger for seeing someone do something that is like just wrong or completely against the Lord. But I think like in situations where it's your brother or sister in Christ, like you want to tell them, you know, the truth and the, the things that you see in their life that maybe need to change, but you want to do that in a very like loving, encouraging way. Um, and in a way that says, I'm going to walk alongside you in this because I am your brother and sister in Christ. Um, and I also just wanted to say, if you are struggling in this area, um, you just feel like we were talking about you this whole time, <laughs> like, like that is literally me, um, then we encourage you to reach out to those who can provide accountability and mentorship. Um, also, just begin to pray that God will reveal himself to you, um, that he'll give you a true love for him and for his word. Again, like Allison said earlier, like that is a prayer that God answers. You know, if you're, if you're praying, praying to God and you're asking him to truly reveal himself to you, um, to just give you a hunger and a thirst for him and for righteousness, he will do that. That is not like something God's like, nah, no. Cause honestly, like, even if you have that, that desire in the first place, God is already working in your heart. God is already working in your life through his Holy spirit. Yeah, If and you're so, praying that prayer, he's yeah, exactly. Working. He's already working, you know? So it's like, he's so sovereign. Like he, he's already, he's already seeking you. Basically you seeking him is a sign. He's already seeking you. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying it's, <laughs> it's kind of, com- it's a complex <laughs> thought, but it's true. So um, I think that's about it. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, but 
definitely join us next time. Definitely check out our last couple episodes. We just talked about Gnosticism, which was super interesting. I really enjoyed our conversation on that. Um, so definitely check that out. Follow us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod, and we will see you next time.